podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Westra is Bestra from the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire with me, Lee G. Joining me as always is Big M. Martin, how are we? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good. You would have thought by now, we're at the end of the season, you would have thought that I could have just done the introduction without having three or four goes of it, wouldn't you? It's, I mean, I'm... Yeah, you'd say, you know, <laughs> you, you are getting on in years, so we, we do have to give you some, you know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it'll mean nothing to anyone listening because I'd have edited it out. But it's uh, <laughs> yeah, how I how I keep getting the introduction wrong at the start is beyond me. But there we go. So um, yeah, let's crack into. Uh, let's get straight on with the Glasgow game, the semi-final, the the the. The end of the season. What what did you make of it all, mate? Uh, missed opportunity is all I can think of. Mm. You know, and going back over the last few games, I can't help but feel we peaked around sharks and brief time, mm. and then that's when we started coming down a little bit. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not surprising given how, uh, how how the game was officiated, shall we say. <laughs> but you know we still had plenty of opportunities to win that game, and and it is heartbreaking. Like mm. I, I, I've tried to watch it back. Like obviously I was, I was there. I was in the crowd. I was, I was bouncing for it, and I've tried so hard to watch it back. But I, I get to like sixty minutes, and I'm like, I, I can't watch anymore because I, I know what's coming, and it's just, mm. it, it, it does break your heart as a fan, and I, I can't imagine, you know, what the players are feeling because you know it is happening to them. You know, they they gotta be feeling tenfold worse than us, which you know is something I know I know a lot of people never really think about. But on the all, you know, Glasgow they they dominated quite uh, a lot of the game, especially through their forwards. Physically, we were second best in that department. But at mm-hmm. the same time, a, a few better decisions. You know, stop not playing a miss pass when we got an overlap, little things, and you know the result could have been much different. Yeah, and, and I agree on that. It's, I think, you know, first half we went in at half time up. The statistics from the first half would show, you know, I think we we dominated possession, we dominated territory in the first half. And apart from you know those first ten minutes, it was all scarlets. You know, it, it really was. And I think the problem came that we didn't convert that enough into points. You know, uh, I think the Scarlets' attack wasn't as good as the Glasgow defence. You know, they they did manage to hold us out at key points, um, and then we we never really came back at that in the second half. In the second half, their attack was better than our defence, and and particularly up front. Um, you know, a lot of people said oh, we ran out of steam or this, that, and the other. I don't think it did. I just think it was the 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 quality of the players that were there. They were bigger, they were stronger, they were you know more skilled, like you know. And it's you know three three HIAs was it three HIAs in the first twenty minutes or whatever. 
I think that yes. yeah, kind of knocks your game plan a fair bit as well. Uh, particularly Johnny Williams, I think we you know, we relied on we we with the absence of Callum Afoni, we needed somebody that was going to give us those ten yards on every contact. And when you take Johnny Williams out of that, um, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the uh, the second row, Morgan. Yeah. Morgan Jones. Morgan Jones. I thought he was having his best game of the season. I thought he was fantastic, uh, and I thought, oh, well, you know, he's he's grown and he's grown as a player, and he's getting more into it. And and it's hard when you've got Fafita and Lausi as you know the other guys in camp, sort of thing. But he he really started to show what he's capable of, and then. He goes off, and you're just like, all oh, right, yeah, we're really, really up against it now. And then Fafita's off in the second. And, and I don't know what happened to Fafita. It must have just been a really dodgy knock to the ribs or whatever. But, yeah, one of those. Yeah, you could see Fafita, like you wouldn't have seen on all the cameras, but you could see him clutching over, holding onto his ribs on the side. He was mm-hmm. literally holding out onto the wing for a fair bit, just trying to try and, you know, not mess up, you know, be that man in the middle who can't tackle properly. But he, he did carry on. I think he put another two or three tackles mm. after that. So fair dues to the boy. But you know, I, I don't think, you know, Lousy or Fafita had the usual impact that they do. And I, I think part of that is down to uh, our line out because mm. for whatever reason, we kept throwing to Josh McLeod. And mm. yeah, I get it. We haven't used, we have used him sparingly throughout the year. But to use him as like basically a hundred percent ball, I mean, we had everyone mm. around us is like dreading every time we went for line out because we knew who was going to him, and I think the one time we didn't go to him, we overthrew it. Yeah, so it, it, we were it, very obvious. It was the poor area of the game. I don't understand why we've gone from being, you know, pretty dominant and having a dominant driving line out and being able to mix and match to just nutsing it up more than we get it right but that's one of those things that you know they, they look at on the video review and they'll go right okay what do we do and how do we do it all that kind of thing so obviously the, the the key talking point of that game aside from players like you've touched on already was 10 minutes to go and you know we're we're attacking their line we're inside their 22 johnny mcnichols got a two-on-one He's running at the inside shoulder of their fullback. And it probably, you know, Steph Evans was in a mile of space. There was nobody within 10 metres of him. That ball goes to him and that's a try. Um, what what did you make of it in, in the ground, mate, that, that knock on? I don't think there was a single person in the ground, Glasgow fans included, that didn't think a penalty try and a yellow card would come in. I mean, there was there was a couple, um, a few rows in front of us, and you could just they were just there with their hands in their heads, going, "What the hell have you done? You've just basically cocked this game up for us." Mm. And for it to not go that way, I mean, they were elated, obviously, but everyone else was. It. I'm stumped. I I don't understand <laughs> how you cannot give that. Mm. I, I think the word in he used to Josh on the field was, "Oh, you." He almost regathered. He, he never had it in the first place. You can't regather yeah. something you never had. And mm. he, he, you can you watching it back on the replay. You can see his hand shoot up once he she, sees where the ball is going, and mm. it's never going to catch it. 
And, you know, if he somehow did manage to stumble over and catch it with just like, what, probably less than a hundredth of a percent chance of happening, you know, it, it's mm. just abysmal. And I'm pretty sure, you know, there were cameras on uh, Nigel Owens watching it live and you could just see his face. And, oh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what to say. I, there's nothing more to say. It was the wrong decision and mm. it, 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 it influenced the result massively. Because even though I know we weren't really breaking them down 10 minutes in the ascendancy with momentum against 14 players, mm. I, I can't see that result not being a scarlet win from that point. Yeah, and what we forget is, you know, at that point we were, not, we were what were we, 10 points down, 9 points? No, we were uh, 10 Never. points down. 11 points down. We'd had three opportunities to kick at the posts. Yeah. So... In hindsight, if we'd have taken those those penalties, you know, and you start to crawl back and you start to crawl back and you start putting Glasgow under that pressure, then when that knock on comes, then it's actually right. You know, this this is something we've got to review quite a lot. Um, I thought the decision that he made, uh, he the the referee didn't review that straight away. He went, no, he, that was an, an attempt to catch it. It was the TMO that came in and said, do you want to review this? And then the touch judge was kind of in as well, kind of going like, oh, I, I thought we were reviewing this. Like, you know, I thought this is, you you have to review this one. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think the referee had his head set at the start that this wasn't going to be a penalty. But we, we should have... Even to be, you know, we weren't playing particularly well. And if that had gone in, which it should have done, you know, you're, say, two points behind in a semi-final, 14 men down in the last 10 minutes, and you know that you, you, we what, what was happening at that point with Glasgow were giving away a lot of penalties. One more penalty, and, you know, that's the game sort of thing. So, yeah, with all the technology, I thought it was disappointing that, that that's what came, but yeah, it's 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 kind of been the story of our season, hasn't it? With referees and decisions and injuries, but there we go. It was that's the way it that's the way it crumbled, wasn't it? At the end of that game, yeah. the the only positive I want to take from this game is that I hope we somehow send a message to the WIA over this. Because the way they've got the squad sizes going, and we just go, look, we've lost four players in a game. In one game. We, yeah. we, lose, we lose that in any single game next season, and that's practically your full squad gone, especially mm. at the start of the season when we know we're not going to have our internationals. And I mean, I'm not expecting all 11 of our boys selected to go, mm-hmm. but say they do it. That takes us down to what Peel said. He's got a 37-man squad. That puts us in a 26-man squad to start the year. Mm. You know, and four people down. You can't even make a match day 23. Like, yeah. That's the only positive I want to come from this game for this idiocy of the squad sizes to be reviewed and just be said, look, it's, it's not feasible. You know, mm. four, 46 has got to be a minimum in my eyes. Well, I think they, they talk, they've justified it by... You have to have an academy that's ready to play, uh, uh, to step in and play, um, which I think is naive. The whole point of an, an academy is to 
develop players so that they are ready. If you're just going to hold players in your academy that are ready to play, where are, you know, let's say you have Where 10... are you going to play to get the experience? Yeah, and where, do the, where does next season come from? And, you know, academy is a five-year process that you start at 16s and 17s. So when you get to 22, you've got players that you've identified ready to go. So we're going to bin a lot of that. And then they've got the, the transfer thing. They so, say, well, that transfer, uh, you know, being able to send players out on loan, that only works between the four of you if nobody else is in the same place. You know, if 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 we lose two fullbacks, you know, and then, or let's say, let's say we lose uh, two hookers. Yeah. Let's say we lose two hookers. Um, and Ospreys have got two hookers in the, the national squad and you're down to Cardiff's third place hooker. Well, that's, you know, are you going to want to take the Cardiff third place hooker or the Dragons third place hooker? You know, it just doesn't make sense, but it's the situation we're going to be in. And, and I think we'll be in that position really, really quickly. Come end of, when do we start? We start in October, don't we? Come the end of November. Yeah. Come the end of November. We're going to be looking to transfer players in, and we're going to be struggling, really, really struggling. But hey ho, that's 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 it. So what we'll what we'll we'll do next week, or maybe the week after, we'll do a uh, a bit of a review of the season. We'll go through it game by game, see how it's gone, and and things like that. And we'll just kind of do an assessment of the season, but. But now it's a it's another disappointing end to the season. To finish on two losses at the end of the season has been disappointing, and uh, yeah, probably need to take time to reflect on the season and go. This is actually how it is, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I know um, that that's exactly what the Scarlets have been doing today, Tuesday, the second of May. Uh, I, I bumped into Kieran Hardy earlier today and you know, he was still fully kicked it out. I was like, they haven't had you training today, have they, but <laughs> season's over. And, oh, he's like, they had, they had a big meeting this morning reviewing the season and looking forward to next year. And, you know, they've got a nice a, a nice bit of time off now before him and the rest of the Wales boys meet up on June the 1st. Mm. So, you know, we know they've already started preparation next season, obviously. Yeah. You know, you, you don't come to the end of the year and not be ready. You know, they Dwayne would have been prepping this back in January at the latest, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll talk about the Wales boys in a minute, but let's talk about the movements that we do know about then. So, um, I mean, we spoke about the final levers um, last week. I, I, I was gutted that Shingler didn't get a chance on Saturday. Um, I, I, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised, to be honest, that Halfpenny didn't get a chance to say goodbye. I, I, uh, that doesn't shock me at all. Um, I think if Shingler had been fit, I think he would have been on the pitch. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. So today they've announced that Lee Blackett has left, uh, is going to take up, uh, I think he's a tack coach at, at Bath now yeah. um wouldn't surprise me to see him back as head coach at bath next season in all honesty but um yeah so that leaves us with a 
uh, a vacancy. Um, <clears throat> what have you? I mean, there's rumours in the press and what have you. But what have you heard about who's coming in? Uh, I, I think it's the same as everyone we've heard of. You know, Jared Payne coming over. Um, mm. You know, he, he he left Ulster a couple of years ago after he didn't get Peel's attack coach job when he came to us. Mm. You know that that he wasn't very happy about that because, and you know, apparently that's what he wants. He wants the attack coach job. Mm. Um, where is he now? Is it? Somewhere oh, in the French club right now. Isn't he? Yeah, and but he's, he's there as defence oh. coach again, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. there as defence. So I, I, in... I know, I know, yeah, over the last few months they they sacked their head coach, hmm. so he's in that interim head coach position. And from what everyone's you know talking about is when they sign the new head coach, he's going to want his own staff coming in. So that's where Jared Payne basically. He loses his job there, hmm. and but he I comes think, available. Yeah, I think he's. They've said already the new head coach. I, I, I'll be honest. I did look it up, and I've forgotten because it's not one of the big teams. But um, yeah, I think the key bit with it is the same as with Blackett that he's worked with Dwayne before. You know, albeit in different roles and stuff, but they've worked together before, so you have an understanding. And I think that's what I notice about um, the coaching team that he's got there. You know, they're all people around him. He surrounded himself with people who know him and kind of think in the same sort of way. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's a another step forward. So... There was also a, a thing in the press about Ben Franks going back home. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's that's been well known for a while now. Um, it, it was always planned that he was going home at the end of this season. And we've been linked with the Lions defence coach who has uh, refused, well, refused to sign a, uh, any further deal with the Lions themselves. And, you know, mm. for the man who was brought through... Uh, the Tushutkas, if that's how you say their bloody names, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm happy to have someone like that on board. You know, mm. he was a World Cup winner back in 2007 as the player, and you know, anyone who's watched the Lions play this season will know that their forwards are no mugs. I mean, no South African set of forwards are mugs anyway, but <laughs> they were clearly, you know, fourth best of the you know four provinces down there, and they've really really improved a lot, getting quite a good few victories, you know, on mm. the road as well. So, you know, there is a noticeable improvement there and, you know, he does, he has shown his ability because, mm. you know, they they lose players every single year. They're very much like the Dragons, their best players leave. But for them to still come out and improve year on year, I mean, that shows the quality of the coach to say. So mm. if he does come here, I, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Albert Vanderberg is... Um, uh... Is the Lillian. guy's name, but um, like you say, he's, I think the Lions have got off-field um, issues. Is is what's been reported. Um, <laughs> join the club <laughs> if, you're if you're expecting anything different when you come to Wales, mate. You're in for a bit of a shock. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's good to have somebody coming in with a a bit of a different perspective. Um, and the and the only bit that I query about him is having said what I just said about everybody in that, that coaching group kind of knows Dwayne Peel and has worked with him before and has that understanding. 
And this guy he is just coming in completely from outside. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think having, you know, a few out, an, an outside perspective is, is always good anyway. And the one thing I, I am very happy with in Peel during his time here is that the coaches that have come in, you look at Babs and Blackett, you know, mm. potentially Payne and, you know, Vandenberg now, is we're bringing in quality coaches. Mm. You know, we're not bringing in, you know, uh, first coaching job out, out of the deep off playing or whatever. These are guys who have, have got a bit of a track record. They know what they're doing. Mm. And you know, most of the you know, a lot of the time, I think you know, signing a quality coach is better than signing ten quality players, because every single person in that squad is going to benefit from this. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I say I think, I think that the, there's undoubted quality coming in. Um, the one bit that this was kind of rumored about last year, and then it was going to be after the World Cup is. Um, oh God, his name is gone. Uh, Irish uh, assistant coach coming back home. Um, Easterby, oh, is it? Easterby, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the rumor that I got told last year. Um, but it, it, everything was up in the air until after the World Cup, and then after the World Cup, you know, he wants to essentially his home is in Wales, is in Cardiff, and he, he travels to Ireland quite a bit and. Now might be the opportunity to kind of make that move back this way, but whether he, you know, the only place that's really got a, a director of a rugby vacancy at the minute is the Dragons. So whether he goes there or whether he does come home, well, you could look at Cardiff's position right now because they technically don't have a, a head of anything. <laughs> well, they do. It's just he's suspended and he's not allowed to do anything. It's one of those things that. The rumor is that he is coming back home, um, so it would be nice to see him back in red, and you know, in some form. Whether you know, depending on, <laughs> but you know, whether he does come in and and give a bit of stability to, you know, the club as a whole and the the academy and the development side of it. You know, very much the way that Mike Ruddock did with. Ospreys, you know, he came in as a bit of a an old head to look at lots of different things, sort of thing. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think over the next couple of months, um, there'll, there'll be lots of movements around, uh, particularly within Welsh rugby and and what have you. Well, I think because rugby season now doesn't start until October. Uh, last is it last week of October? It's when the quarterfinals. Semi-finals. It's the weekend of the 20th, I think it is. Yeah, that's quite a long time. There's no massive rush now to make decisions. Do you know what I mean? There is a uh, quite a hefty long period. Pre-season will probably start mid-August, I guess. If we're looking at end of October, so August, September, October, yet yeah, eight weeks, ten weeks, that you know that's what you're realistically looking at now, so that gives people plenty of time to talk to players, talk to coaches, make decisions. You know, make sure you know you're not injured coming into the start of next season. I think is probably more important than anything else. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where we are. But so, it's a question for you that, that I got asked the other day. 
is do you see any of our uh, levers or potential levers going into coaching roles? So people like Patch well, and Halfpenny uh, and stuff like that. Well, we already know that a lot of them do a fair bit of coaching with their own teams. Like I know, I know Patch is goes. I can't remember his club, but I know he goes as pretty regular. Halfpenny was coaching with the under twenties when he was injured. So you know, there's there's quite a lot of boys who've got a fair bit of coaching experience. Like have got coaching some so I wouldn't be surprised if any of them um, you patched out a bit there mate so um, you patched out a bit there mate sorry so go back to uh, Halfpenny and Patch coach uh, they already coach yeah, yeah. So like, uh, we already know Patchell does a bit of coaching with um, his his own team. Like, I, I can't remember who it was, but we've seen that uh, Halfpenny was coaching with the under twenties while he was injured. Uh, Tom Price has been coaching with our academy this season. You know, mm-hmm. vast majority of the boys have done some form of coaching. So you know, to see them, you know, moving into uh, you know professional roles, maybe not. But, you know, seeing them at the community level, or at least, you know, maybe the semi-professional level, totally possible. And I wouldn't be surprised with any of them. Hmm. So would you be surprised to see any of them moving into Snesley role? Because it's been a pretty awful season for the Snesley club, Snesley RFC. Um, I'd... Well, well, there I... is no Snesley anymore, is there? Well, at least not... Well... I say I think that's it's it's all put on ice for next season, isn't it? But yeah, and then I don't see how you then decide. Oh well, we're going to have regular um, uh, regular uh, friendly matches if you're not playing every week anyway. But it, it wouldn't surprise me to see some of them pop up in that kind of scenario well, anyway. Mm. Yeah, you know, a few on a paper play sort of basis. Mm. That would, yeah, that's, you know, I, I know the likes of Tom Price. He he does live around here. I know his wife is local to the area, mm. so you know he he's one I would imagine would be in that position. So you know, it it is a hard time for you know the town and you know the rugby club in Flintshire. You know, I, I'm really upset over the decision to pull out and I think it's going to be, you know, a big mistake because we all know this elite league is coming mm. and, you know, when the announcement does eventually come, they go, oh, you regions get to select who you want to play. They'll be class, stars be like, yes, we'll pick Lechley. And they go, oh, you can only pick who's currently playing in the Premiership. And they're mm. like, oh, yeah, because you know, yeah, that, that's all I'm. That's all I'm hearing is that you can pick who you want so long as they're currently playing in the Premiership and Flintshire aren't. So, mm. and even if they still had a team, well, no, there's no relegation this year, is there? So yeah, I suppose. But um, the bottom of the table anyway. So yeah. anyway, there's plenty of stuff to talk about through the summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and given the way Welsh rugby is, that's that's going to go every week. So, um. Sweet. Yeah, so no games to forecast for next week, thankfully, <laughs> at yeah. the minute. But um, 
over the next couple of weeks we'll we'll have a little look at the um URC playoffs and and just see how we're feeling about those. So what do you make of the Wales squad then for uh they say so you, you spoke to Kieran today and he said they're meeting up June first. So yeah. Couple of weeks to to have a look around and see what's what. So what do you um what do you make of who we've got in there? Let's let's start with our boys and then we'll go on to the the bigger squad. So should we start at the front? Should we start with the pretty boys? Yeah, let's start with the pretty boys. Yeah, like um we we've spoke for a while now about uh, Kemsley Mathias and how well he's been playing and you know th- there's no shock for me that he's been included. Uh, mm. I, I don't know how you feel on that, yeah, but absolutely. what I what I do feel a little bit upset about is Win Jones not being selected, and I know he hasn't been playing his best, and he has been very average. But you know, I personally think a lot of that is down to fitness, mm. and when you consider you've literally got June, July, August to get these boys into shape, I, I think it's a massive disservice to him that he's not selected. Yeah, I, it's like I say, it it does surprise me in one way and not in another. Um, in the same way that Matthias being selected does that, you know, Gatlin makes this big thing about, uh, um, you know, continuity of selection and giving people the opportunity and this, that, and the other. And he pretty much stays loyal to the team that he's got. And you can see that by having players like. Yeah, Alan Wynne Jones, Corey Hill, um, you know, uh, Lydiat, people like that. Look, people are over the hill. Let's be honest, they're over the hill. You know, they haven't performed for a long time, but they're still included in the squad. Whereas Wynne Jones is somebody that was in that bracket for 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 Gatland, um, and he isn't there. And he's been playing okay. He's not been playing amazingly, but he has been playing okay. So that bit, that side of it confuses me that it's a bit inconsistent with the way selection's been made in the past. Um, and I'd say the same with, with that, with Elias at Hooker. You know, I can't, I genuinely can't see why Elias is in that squad, especially at the, the, the cost of Bradley Roberts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a joke, really. And, you know, you can even say, you know, having Elliot D in there over Bradley Roberts. I mean, mm. Roberts is performing well beyond D, in my mm. personal opinion. Um, the only thing that keeps him down was that, that little trip. You know, that was the only thing that sort of had a negative for him. And that, that was, you know, a long while ago. Mm. But no, you know, I, I can understand, you know, oh, he has performed for us before. Like, it, it doesn't matter. He hasn't played any rugby. And you're basically you're pulling him in, him in, hoping that he gets over this injury and mm. gets back up to speed for international rugby over the next couple of months without any sort of, you know, any step in stone. We all talk about the step in stone into regional rugby and then up into international. There, there is no step in stone at all. Mm. For like, yes, now he's coming straight off being injured and I, I still don't even know when he's returning if he's going to be available for the, the meet up on June 1st mm. or if he's coming in later but yeah mm. again even with Ken Owens I know he's captain but you know 
if you look at his performance on Saturday and you, you could see by looking at him, you know, he hasn't performed anywhere near his best. He's put, probably been at around 80% of his best, you know, mm. all season. I think so, when he, he came back and he went straight back into the Wales squad and he got made Wales captain and stuff. And I think that gave him the, the oomph. And because his, his performances at that, that time of the season were superb, you know, and, and for the Scarlets as well. And then, yeah, the last couple of games he's been knackered. You know, he has he's been knackered, and it wouldn't have surprised me to to see him on the bench because I thought we had better hookers available. But you know, that is the way Gatlin works. It does seem you know only four hookers in such a big squad um, confuses me. But there we go. Yeah. That, that, I that mean, is the way. I, I mean, I, I know we don't have anyone selected a tight dead, but but tight dead is one I'm really confused on. We've got three Cardiff tight heads mm. and some um, English guy who's now randomly available. I I think us, you know, what what mm. does that say to your Sam Wainwright, to your Harry O'Connor, who have, or even your Tom Botha, you know, who've done a lot of work this season, have shown there's a lot of potential and promise there, and they're going. No, we'll just pick someone who's become randomly available from over in France. Mm. I mean, it's just a joke. And to be honest, Thomas Francis hasn't been play, playing particularly well. I'd put him in the same bracket as Wynne Jones. He's been playing okay. He's not been setting the world alight, you know. So, but then again, I I, I can't think of a Welsh tight end who is setting the world alight at the minute. So... Yeah, I'll be honest. He, he is selected, and I've been impressed with his performances. And that's Kira Nazarati from Cardiff. Mm. Yeah, like, he mm. like he, he doesn't seem to do as much around the park, but you know, in like uh, some people might you know disagree, or they might be able to you know educate me a bit on that because I don't watch all of mm. Cardiff's games. But from what I've seen of him at scrum time, he's been pretty impressive. Mm. So let's look at second row then. So again. None of our boys in there at second row, but there are still rumours around Ben Carter joining us at some point. And he is leaving the Dragons, so he is available. And that wouldn't surprise me to see him turn up in a red jersey next year. So, what yeah. do you make of what do you make of the selections at second row? Yeah, I, it's it's just more or less the same. Like Coriel, we all expected it, but I I don't think he should be there. He's not. You know, Japanese rugby is it's the same level as our Premiership. It's just got you know big money players. That's the only difference. Mm. Uh, you know, Roland's. We knew he was going to be there, but it's the injury again. And like you said with Alan, when you know he's he's not consistent anymore, and mm. he puts in what well, maybe one good game every five or six. It's just not the standard we need mm. anymore. Uh, yeah. I. I wouldn't have been too surprised to maybe see Morgan Jones actually picked in that squad just because of how he's been developing. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me that he's not. Mm. So it's you know, I, it doesn't seem to be much grunt, you know, in in our second row. Like Adam Beer doesn't provide much grunt. Like Will Rowlands does a, a bit of it, but everyone else they they're more the the mobile lot mm. that we've uh, come accustomed to. You know, yeah, but when you like go, yeah, you go through them. Like so, Beard has played at six. Reese Davis has played at six. Uh, I think Carter 
plays back row, second row. Shunza, back row, second row. Hill has played at six before. Teddy Williams has played at eight before. So they're all mobile players, um, with the exception of Alan Wynne-Jones. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to kind of see where that's... Yeah, Gatlin said he wanted a, a um, mobile, agile forwards and what have you. And then he picks Alan and jones and Lidget. But it does confuse me a little bit as to why Alan and jones is in there. But then, same again, you know, who else do you pick if you take Alan and jones out? You know, who else do you throw in there? And at the minute, I wouldn't say there's a massive amount of uh, of players on the conveyor belt putting their hands up and going, pick me, you know? So, yeah. There we go. So, back row. Yeah. I'm, we I'm, have an interest. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to see Josh McLeod in there. Uh, mm. uh, he, he's one of them players. He quietly goes about his work. He, he doesn't get a lot of praise for what he actually does. And, you know, he is one of them real hard workers. And, you know, his, his work at the breakdown, you know, it, it's, it's, you, you, can't, you can't really put a price on it. Just because you know when when it comes to that that point two of a second at the breakdown that he slows it down by, that's that's a massive difference in a game. Mm. And I think so, he had four out and out turnovers um, on on Saturday, you know, against a really big international back row, and he's pulling four turnovers out there. First half he pulled out three, and he was just superb. They just couldn't get anywhere near him and like I say he's in like a flash slightest hint of a gap in there and he was on the ball he was he was superb so do, do you put him at six or do you put him at seven I, I see him as a six now but where, where do you see him uh, I I don't know he, he is he, he's a six and a half like I, I, I use this mm. phrase a lot but we we don't they, they, I don't think there's an out and out seven no a pure seven in that squad you know, there's all you know. Com- they're all flankers. They're not open side. They're not blind side. They're flankers. Mm. You know, so I I'd probably stick him at seven. And you know, if if I'm looking along here, I'm liking the fact that Basham's included. I think his carrying ability is brilliant. Mm. And then we look. You know, Wayne Wright's a hard worker. Does a lot in the line out. Lydiat. You know, I I'm with you on this. I don't understand why he's there. Jack Morgan, that's another one who can come into the mix. You know, Tipperick, I haven't seen Tipperick do anything this season. Mm. And then you're on to Falatau, he's he's all right. You know, we don't have a we don't have a second choice, number no. eight, unfortunately. And I, then I, Rebels in there as well. Yeah, I'd say the backup number eight is probably Wayne Wright, because yeah. he's the one. But then Morgan has played at eight and McLeod have played at eight. Basham has played at yes. eight. But I wouldn't put them there as out and out eights. And like you say, I'd I think we need to rethink the way we think of the back row. I think we go with two flankers, not a six and a seven. I think we I think we're changing the way we we process that information across the back row. We you're hunting in pairs and it's a six and an eight and a six and a seven and a seven and an eight. As long as you're always hunting in pairs across that back row, I don't think that the number on your back matters yeah, now. So, yeah, I'd, I'd see McLeod 
were well, we saw the damage he used to do when he was working with Morgan, you know, two masters of the turnover. Um, and if those two get a chance on the pitch together, that's that's going to be quite exciting, I think. Um, but then you know you you look at who we've got in second row as well. You've got Reese Davis and Christianza. Both of them play back row. So actually, we, we've got quite a hefty lot in that back row. I can't see Lydia making the cut. As nice a player as he is, as as good a guy as he is, I can't see him making the cut. And I'm the same with Tipperick. I think Lydia and Tipperick are there based on what they did three or four years ago, not what they're doing now. I wouldn't be surprised to see him not make that cut. So but you wouldn't be surprised to see them go to the World Cup either. You know, that is, it's just one of them things. It's especially where Gatland's concerned. Yeah. You know, it, it always used to be a thing. It's really hard to get in his good box, but it's harder to get out of them. Yeah, which again, when you go back to Win Jones, makes that decision a little bit strange. But there we go. So scrum halves. This is this is where we really start getting interested now. Scrum half. So Gareth Davis, Kieran Hardy, Reese Webb, Thomas Williams, and go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard really to pick. You know your scrum halves because there is there isn't a scrum half in in Wales who you know has a particularly strong all round game. Hmm. You know we got likes of Gareth Davis who's brilliant in attack and his service, but his kicking can be very poor on times. Mm-hmm. You then got Hardy who you know his kicking can be absolutely superb on point, but his game management goes awry sometimes. And then there's this. A lot of there's always negatives that come with the scrum halves in Wales, and mm. you know at the moment at least, and you know, Black I might feel a little bit and and you know a bit unjustified mm. not being in there. I, I know he hasn't played for a little while, but you know he has been the form nine in Wales for a good few years. Yeah, and I think mm. Rodri Williams can feel quite upset about being left out of this as well, especially as a training squad. Yeah, well, Rodri Williams, uh, no, sorry, um, the other Williams um, from Cardiff, the other scrum half, Cardiff. Lloyd Lloyd Williams, um, I was surprised to see him released by Cardiff, um, I'll be honest. But, yeah, I think there's there's not a massive amount of depth, but I say there's enough depth there to kind of challenge. And like I say, I don't see any... There's none of those four players really stamping their foot on the game and going, you know, I'm in charge. Um, Webb talks a good game and plays one decent game every six months. Um, you know, Thomas Williams, I'll be fair, had a cracking game on uh, um, Judgment Day. I, and Gareth Davis has been in form for quite some time. So between the lot of them, like I say they're all ups and downs. But yeah, it's it's hard to see which ones of those go, which ones of them stay uh, at home watching could be any any one of them, couldn't it, really? Yeah. Well, well th- four does not go into three, so we mm. know just one of them will be going home without and, and not going to France, at mm. least with the squad. They might go for a holiday and to watch, but uh, not, not <laughs> going with the squad. So, yeah, it is, it's going to be a, a tasty one to see who comes out on, well, 
not who comes out on top, who doesn't come out on top. Yeah, who say. doesn't? Yeah, and the same could be said of uh, outside half. So that's three from four. So we've got Costello, Bigger, Anscum, and Owen Williams. So Owen Williams, Anscum have both got utility uh, play around them. Costello's been the man in form. Uh, you know, big as the man with the shirt. So again, you know, where do you go with that one? Gatland doesn't care about club form. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, all of his squads through, you know, the entirety of his career with Wales, both, you know, before and after Privac, have shown he does not care about club form. So uh, it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's just another one, you know, four players for three spots. Mm. We know he loves Anscombe. We we know he does. He you know he basically bribed him over here himself, and has been unlucky with injuries not to come through. And you know he, he's only coming back from yet another injury. So mm. who knows if he's going to get crocked again? But was, you know for, for for all my money, it's it's got to be Costello. You know he he needs to be given that shirt now, and mm. just let him run with it. He, even with bigger at Toulon, you know. Bigger at Toulon is reminding me of Johnny Wilkinson back, you know, 10 years ago being there where they just kicked teams to death. Mm. You know? mm. And I, I just don't think we're going to do anything with that style of rugby anymore. So, uh, you know, if if I was given the opportunity, I'd be giving Costello that 10 jersey and just telling him to run with it. Mm. I, I can see, you know, the, the injury situation there to Anscombe being probably the most... That's going to be the biggest influence on on who stays and who goes. I think Anscombe won't, uh, you know, he'll pick up little niggles. He'll be and it'll just play on on his mind. But you've got to take fit players because too many times we've taken players that we know aren't going to be ready for the first round, aren't going to be ready for the first two games or whatever, you know. And it just it it always comes back and haunts you. So I think. Just on injuries, Anscombe will be the one staying at home, depending on where home is for him by then. So, yeah. So, centres. <laughs> Johnny Williams I'm, and Joe I'm, Roberts. I'm happy with that. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that Joe has got some recognition because, you know, he has been, he's, he's been brilliant all season, you know, since he's come, got over his injury. You know, he was already showing signs last season before he got injured in the final game that he, he is a talent and he, he has got the potential to be something special. Mm. So uh, I, I'm very interested to see how he goes in his squad. And I hope, I, ju- I just hope for the love of God that he's, you know, kept on and he gets to play in some of the warm up matches because I, I think that he has got a good all round game. And even though he's probably considerably smaller, than the other, you know, centres that have been picked, you know, the likes of Grady and Flewellen. Mm. His carrying is not soft. He is a hard runner. Mm. And I think when you look at who they, who else is there, so Johnny Williams, you know, he's straight and direct. Mason Grady, very straight and direct. Flewellen, straight and direct. Kieran Williams, straight and direct. North, straight and direct there's not a lot of variety there and then you get to Tompkins and you go okay well Tompkins is probably more of a similar player 
to Joe Roberts, but I'd, I'd actually put Joe Roberts, you know, a, he's on a level with or above Tompkins in some places, just in terms of pace and, and, and what have you. I think Tompkins has got the bigger game kind of uh, experience, but I, I'd, I'd bring the pair of them because you, you need some, if you're just going to go straight and direct, straight and direct, straight and direct, you know, play size, size are going to work you out really quickly. You, you yeah. need to have somebody there that can break the game up. And if you're going to play Costello at 10 and then just have straight and direct outside him, well, what's the point what's in having there? Yeah. So I can see, um, you know, a bit of variety there needed, but it, it would be good to see Joe Roberts playing with someone like Mason Grady or, or Llewellyn inside him just to really give him that space that he needs outside. So. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm quite surprised with the selection of Llewellyn, especially considering all this malarkey around, you know, Joe Hawkins going to Exeter, you know, with with a player already signed going to Gloucester, and you pick him anyway, so it, it's, it just boggles my mind a bit, that does. But yeah, you know, it, it would be interesting to see, you know, Joe come up with a, you know, a, a big 12, or even a dancing 12, you know, if, imagine, you know, Tompkins at 12 and Roberts at 13, Mm-hmm. That that'd be a decent combination, and it would obviously it would I think that would keep a lot of defenders fixed because yeah. you don't know where they'd go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so wings. Uh, we've got Tom Rogers, uh, Josh Adams, Dyer, Cuthbert, and oh, we didn't talk about North in the centres. I still don't Do see him as a centre. Talk about North as a centre. Yeah, no, Do I don't see him. him. He's not a centre. He's not a centre. No. End of that conversation. So on the wings, <laughs> uh, Tom Rogers, Adams, Dyer, Cuthbert and Reece Zamet. I think this is one of our real areas of depth. Um, and it's a shame that we've only got, you know, five of them there, to be honest. Uh, it's a bit like back row. We we could put eight or nine decent wingers out there at the minute. So what, what do you make of those those wingers? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm I'm surprised with Tom Rogers because you know the way our season's going, I I would have put Combier and Steph Evans above him. Mm. So you know, I I get he does offer you know the the fullback option, and he has got the pace over Steph Evans. But you know, I'm I'm I that that has you know confused me a little bit because you know Combier has probably been our most form winger over the season. Mm. But you know, we you you got. It's, it's been done, nothing we can do about it, so we just got to look at it. Um, mm. Yeah, he's he's a real good player, but, you know, when you're thinking they're only going to be taking three from this five, and the other four are already capped, they've got a lot of experience. I can't see them leaving Adams or Rhys at home, mm. and, you know, a lot of time has been invested in Dyer over this season, so I can't imagine Tom Rogers going to the World Cup, but, you know, who knows? Mm. Let's say I'd uh, I'd have put him in more as a fullback instead of Kai Evans. I'll be honest. I'd have, I'd have put him at fifteen ahead of Kai Evans. Um, and I I agree with you on you know on our wingers. I think Steph Evans just gets treated really poorly because of his his size. But then again, his defence against Glasgow wasn't amazing. Um, you know and. Uh, yeah, like I say it is what it is. I don't think Tom Rogers is our best winger at the minute, but then 
you know, that's that's it. There's uh, there's quite a few other players that we could have thrown into that that mix on the wing that would feel justified. You know, Mason Grady is a winger um, uh, as well. George North is a winger. They're both included as centres. So you know, we, there's there's other opportunities there. And the same with fullback. You know, you've got Anscombe at ten, and you've got Bigger at ten, both of whom have played fullback. You've got Owen Williams at ten, who's also played centre. So there is a bit more kind of fluidity around positions, I guess now. So fullback, Halfpenny, Liam Williams, Kai Evans. What's your what's your call half penny, on that? half penny and Sanjay? They they barely played. So it's a, it's another one of you know you don't need to play as long as you've had a good performance in, at some point in the last three years. So you know it's mm. it, it's just surprising. I mean, Halfpenny didn't make you know the, the scarlet semi final back three, and he's so, fit. He was fit, so there was no reason. Yeah, you know, other than they were better players. So how how does he you know go to a whale squad? When he's he's not starting in his buddy for his his club team essentially, mm. and you know Liam Williams is is it's the same. He, he's played less games since he's come back from Saracens, you know, to us and now to Cardiff. He's played less regional games than he has international games, and I think that's a joke. Yeah. I I I think we need to. I know we got this twenty five cap rule for you know moving up abroad or whatever. But I think we should bring in some sort of minimal regional game. You know, maybe you have to play 12 games in any role in 12-month period. You know, some provisos for injuries or whatever. But the fact is, you know, you shouldn't be playing more for your country than your team. It's, it's mm. just, it doesn't it doesn't stick right with me. And he's another one, you know, half-penny, constantly injured. Liam Williams, constantly injured. And you're going, right, okay, maybe that is why... Tom Rogers is in in that squad because the likelihood is that one of those fullbacks is going to get injured. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that that is what happens. Because, um, like you say, Halfpenny's not getting any younger, and Liam Williams seems to trip over a daisy and dislocate his ribs. So, you know, it is what it is, but. It's <laughs> we we'll see when we come to the um the warm up games just how effective that selection will be. But there we go. Right. Let's um <laughs> let's let's look at the interesting part of the world. Let's look at yes, the, the good uh, stuff. The good stuff, the community game. So um I was watching uh, on Saturday some of the scores coming in. Um Narberth on Saturday were ahead of Pontypool with 15 minutes to go. And I was like, we said last week, you know, anything they get out of that game, even if they stop Pontypool getting a bonus point or whatever, is is fantastic. And I just thought, here we go. This this is it. This is the one. And then it didn't happen. And uh, they lost 28-36, so they didn't even get a losing bonus point out of it. But, um, you know, it shows that they can compete. You know, Pontypool are virtually a professional side. They're definitely semi-pro, now, but they're semi-pro as well. But, you know, they're on on different levels of that semi-pro 
status, if you like. Um, so for them to come that close to beating Potterpool again, I think is a is a big uh, a big well done to to Narbeth. Yeah, well, it, it shows that they are more than capable, and we know there's nothing for this season. But when it splits into east and west next year, they they're going to be title contenders. We we know that much. Mm. So, so it, you know, just to just to finish with it, you know, eight points of Pontypool. You know, I, I don't know the all of the score lines off the top of my head, but I think five points is the closest result. You know, Pontypool have had, and that was against Neath. So you mm. know, eight points isn't much different. It's, it's one kick. So you know, to say that we were effectively the same as Neath Bar in one kick, that that that's brilliant. You know, so well done, Narbeth. And mm. you know, the season's not over yet. They've still got still some positions to fight for. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, they're on fifty nine points. Cross Keys on sixty points, and Cardiff Met on sixty five. But Cardiff Met have virtually finished this season on twenty four games. So you know, I think they've got two games left I think we said last week um, so yeah I think Narbeth can definitely catch Cardiff Met whether they can overtake Cross Keys again that's going to be a really interesting battle at the end of the season Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm thinking they can do Cross Keys just because they've got a double battle against Neath so you know that's that's going to be fun I reckon Cross, uh, not Cross Keys, Narbeth mm. are, are going to come out on top of, the, of this little section you know you've got your top three you know, Pontypool, Nathan Bargoyd, you then got Astrodronda, who seem to have locked that fourth position down somewhat. And then this little battle in, in this with Cross Keys, Cardiff, Med, and Narbeth. And I think mm. Narbeth is strong enough to come through it. Yeah. And say so they've not got a particularly difficult run in now. Uh, say so Glamorgan Wanderers, Tata Steel, and Trabanos. You know, they're not, that was their last big game. Uh, last week they, they play in the bottom two sides and a side that they played a couple of weeks ago and took a bonus point win from so yeah it's looking good at the end of the season and if anybody slips up I think Narbeth will will be there um, I can see him overtaking Met fingers crossed they can overtake the keys as well and that'll be put them in fifth place and I think that'll be a good season if they finish in fifth I think that's a really good season for, for Narbeth this year yeah, especially with our how other teams have improved as well. To know that they're still in in that mix is brilliant. Mm. And you know what? On to this weekend now, they're away to Trebanos, and like you said, you know, one of the bottom teams in the league, so it should be a, a comfortable win for them. Yeah, definitely. If Trebanos field decide, I think this is the the key bit now is um, who's who's fielding sides and who isn't. I think it was a record number of games um, recorded as walkovers last weekend. So we shall see. You don't expect it in in the championship, but it happens. It does happen. So we shall see. So Division One West, Division One West, where walkovers do seem to be the norm. We've already got one listed for. Uh, for this weekend, where Whitland won't be fielding a side against Aberystwyth. Um, so there's a 20 nil walkover already logged for this weekend. Um, last weekend, there were one, two, three, no, yeah, three, 
three games listed as walkovers. Um, Abrist without a walkover against Clitley Wanderers. Krimmich had a walkover against Pencloud. And Newcastle Emlyn had a walkover against Pembroke. So the only Pembroke side that was in actual action last weekend was Whitland, who lost 1917 at Corsina. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's getting a joke now. I mean, it's, how, how are you not fielding teams? You've, you've been fielding a side all throughout the season, and mm. you know, now four teams have been deducted points. You know, it's, it's not a place you want to be. It's mm. like this is the main reason, you know, we, you know, teams need, you know, minis and junior setups. You want to make sure you've got a production line of players that you mm. can call upon. Yeah, they might weaken your side because they're not used to it, but at least you can feel the side, you know, yeah. and it's what community rugby is all about. Picking that player who's been there since under sevens, you know, it's, it's what you want. It's what you want to see. And I think too many sides have kind of forsaken the juniors, the minis, the youth sides, the amount of youth sides that are just not around anymore. Um, you know, sides have focused so much on their senior side at the expense of that junior team. You know, and that dev- and you need development in that junior system. You need coaches, you need players, you need the backroom staff in that junior system. And too many people kind of when, when they split it from the senior side of the club, it kind of gets forgotten about. And right, you guys look after yourself. We look after ourselves. Your job is to deliver us three players a year that are ready to play senior team. And they're going, well, most, I don't know of any, um, any club at the minute who was playing with a full junior system from under sevens to youth there's at least one age group missing somewhere along the line, you know. But I'm, I'm probably wrong. There probably are sides that, that are, are that have got it, but there aren't many. Most people are missing age yeah. groups somewhere, you know. Yeah, like I, I, I can't comment on the Premiership clubs. Obviously, I, I don't know any of the setups. Like I, I know down by us where I am in Schlechtli, I know Barryport have got a full system, but you know there are teams around, you know. Kidwelly, Clefley Wanderers, New Dock don't have, well, they, I don't think they'll have one at all next season the, with some of the things I'm hearing out of them. So, you know, it, it's not just a problem, you know, in West Wales. It's it's coming all the way through. Hmm. So, anyway, let's let's look at the table in uh, One West. So, last week, yes. I think all three of those sides, um, Slangenich, Krimich, Newcastle, Emlyn. I think all three are promoted now. I think that was confirmed yeah, last weekend. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, all, all three are going up. It's just the nitty gritty of who's finishing where. Mm. And I, I think this is where it gets really interesting because Slangenich are on top at the minute, but have lost two games. Krimich are in second place, but haven't lost any games. And Newcastle, Emlyn are in third place. But they've lost three games, and you're just like, oh, this this is just getting quite tasty now. Um, I think the fixtures for this week, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, tomorrow, third of May, um, Krimich against Newcastle Emlyn. You know, you you couldn't have planned that better for the end of the season, and then the week after, 
well, not even the week after. The, um, this weekend. Sat- yeah, this Saturday, then you play Slangenich, you know, and you go like, ah, oh, boys, come on, this is... This this is the week that decides who wins the, the that league, essentially. If Krimich get it right this week, you know, they they're top yeah, of the table oh, comfortably. This is it. This this really is, you know, is a, a twenty-two game season, you know, nineteen games, three left to play, and you basically you've got the top three and you're playing each other for two of those games. It's it is you like I said, you can't plan it better. No. It's worked out so lovely. The, the only downside is the fact that it, it is a midweek game and then a Saturday game. That's the only sort of mm. downside I see to this for Krimich, but, you know, more mm. than capable of doing it. You know, they've done Newcastle M in a way, so, you know, mm. hopefully they'll do, they should do them at home. Uh, yeah. But travelling away to Flangenich on Saturday, that's going to be the big one. That's going to be, you know, who is top. Mm. Mm. So it's it's literally all coming down to the wire. By this time next week, we should know. Well, we should have a pretty good idea of who's going to be going up as as champions, or going across as champions, whichever direction no travel uh, next year's league system takes us. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, and we'll know a lot more at the end of this weekend, definitely. So um, do we want to make, yeah, let's let's do a couple of predictions. So Krummich and Newcastle Emlyn on Wednesday night. I'm going to go with a Krummich yeah. home win there. Yeah, Goro, Gorby Krummich. Mm. And then Saturday, Gowerton uh, are hosting Newcastle Emlyn. I think that's a Newcastle Emlyn win for me on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, Gowerton have, have been, you know, pretty consistent. They are top half. But, you know, these top three sides, I think they're just too good for anyone. Mm. And then we got Pembroke against Hendy. I can't even see Pembroke fielding a side, if I'm honest. Um, I think it's their last game. Is it Pembroke's last game? Or there'll be a there'll be a couple of jars worth uh, sinking on the way home, if it is. Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, their last game. But, uh, if Pembroke field the team, I can't, still can't see him winning. No. That's the way it is, you know. And then we've got Langenich at home to Krummer. Oh, it's 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 gotta go down to the wire. It's gotta be like a, you know a 79th on 80th minute score that separates this game. But you know, mm. Krummer are gonna do it. They're gonna get this win, and they're gonna they're gonna sec- more or less secure the title with this victory. Yeah, I think if they, a win on Wednesday, a win on Saturday, and they're going up as as champions <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, best of luck to them. It's that this this is what you want to play for. This is what you play the game for. Is is weekends like this? Uh, yeah, best of luck to them. Uh, all the boys up north, right? Division two West End. Now this is really gets really really interesting. I mean, Division one West is interesting. Division two West is really really interesting because um, at one point again, Fishguard were uh, in a position to beat Kidwelly and, and ended up losing 35-36. Yeah. Um, so fair play to him. That was, that was a fantastic game. And to lose by one point to uh, a side that have been pretty much, you know, they've been on form right through the season. You know, fair play to him. And Fishguard absolutely took them to the edge on that one. Um, 
and then the game that we were all looking forward to, Ponte Delis and Tembi. Again, Tembi were in control of that game. Tembi, they they were in control up until, you know, start the second half, halfway through the second half even, um, and gutted that Ponte Delis came away with twenty six eighteen, so they didn't even get their their losing uh, win. They were one point away from a losing bonus point. Probably should have had more, probably deserved more out of that game, in all honesty, on that. So it is it is what it is, you know. It it's so gutting. We were talking about this game, you know, we were talking it up so much. And the fact that it was an eight point loss, I think that's you know, that rubs salt to the wound. Like, you know, if it was seven points again, that bonus point would have been it, it would have been well deserved. Hmm. But you know the the way this this league is heating up. Like I've I've been I'm looking through it now. I've got my own little one <laughs> where I've got my maximum points on the side, mm. and I've just been focused on Tembi. You know, okay, we got to finish third at least third. You know, Nant Gredig and Mumbles are our main talents, and I'm looking down now. And Buddy Port have still got the opportunity to finish on a, a higher points total, and I'm thinking, Oof. when did that happen? Mm. Like Jesus, I mean, I, I know they've got they've got to play Kidwelly as well, so you know it's not going to be easy for them. But they are still actually in it, and I've been discounting them for so many weeks. Yeah, and it's been it's been an interesting couple of weeks because you just like it's almost everything is up in the air, and and yeah, like Ponte de Leste did come out uh, on top against Hemby, but that that could have easily gone the other way. You know, easily oh, gone the other way, and Kidwelly could have gone the other way against Fishguard, and then you're like, oh, holy cow, that that's the whole of the top six, kind of, you know, throwing it into the mix. So, um, yeah, just looking at midweek fixtures this week. So Milford didn't play on Saturday because one of the boys had a wedding, which is pretty poor timing. I'm sorry, but yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so. Yeah, they're playing Kidwelly at home uh, tonight. That'll yeah. be an interesting game. See how they get see on. How, see how Kidwelly you're feeling after, you know, the, the ringer on Saturday. Mm. And, you know, being a Tuesday night, how many boys are going to want to travel up to Milford? Yeah, exactly. And then you've got Ponta Dillis and Nankaredig as well. So that's first and fourth. You know, Nankaredig got yeah. something to play for. You know, they, they, they've got a reason to... To turn over Ponte Delice here, but then you're like, wow, oh, the way the table is at the minute, I kind of need Ponte Delice to put Nat Gredic to the sword. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of do. It's an interesting end to the season. And Saturday, uh, so Saturday we got Tembi away in Carmarthen, Fishguard at home to T. Croix, and Milford at home to Burryport. So, what's what's your calls on them? Oh well, you know, nice, nice and simple games there. You know, <laughs> I, I'm going to call a Tembi win against Kamar then, but mm. you know, facts are Tembi have had some, you know, quite a few shock results this season. Mm. You know, where you know Milford and Fishguard are concerned as well. But uh, you know, they they lost at home to Kamar then, and I'm I'm pretty sure they were very disappointed at that result. So they're going to hopefully you know right some wrongs with they and come out on top. Hmm. Fish guard, I'm, I'm going to back them at home. You know, Tikrois are you know a, a fairly strong team when they want to be, 
that you know that performance against Kidwelly, I think that shows that there's a lot more to give from Fishguard. So mm. you know, gonna back them and you know, Milford haven't really been in a position to beat anyone, you know, <laughs> on a regular basis, unfortunately, this season. So I'm gonna have to go for Buddy Port on that one. And there's also the uh, the small matter <laughs> of Nant uh, Gredig having another big game away to Kidwelly. So mm. you know, there's, there's so many so many big games now coming thick and fast and in mm. the space of a week, you know, Nankredig have got first and second away in the space of four days or five days, sorry. So, you know, that's massive for the season and it's massive for Tembi to find out, you know, how many contenders have they really got up, are they really up against? Mm. And I think the interesting thing with this table, with this league, is the very last game of the season is Tembi and Nankredig. So oh, yeah. it literally may come down to that very, very last game. If if Nankaredic slip up in between now and then, um it it's they may still have that to play for in that last game of the season. So that's gonna be massive. Absolutely massive. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to to the way that, that one's coming to an end at the end of the season. So uh Let's have a look in three west, three west A, three west A. Let's make sure it's three west A. Otherwise, Martin Good starts life. he starts dishing out lines. I must remember that it's three west A. Um, yes, so, you must. <laughs> so, um, again, we've got um, a, a result in for this evening with Haverford West can't field aside against Lampeter. So that's that's oh, already no. in there. Yeah. And then, what did they play earlier? Did they play this morning? <laughs> they were our job. <laughs> but I think there was, yeah, there was Flanner, Bother, and Tregaron couldn't feel sides um, over the weekend. Um, so they they had walkovers. So if we if we take the the rundown on that table, then uh, Haverford West twenty eight, St David's twelve. Um, which is why I'm kind of surprised that Haverford West haven't put a, a side out tonight because that win on Saturday, you know, should have been enough to give them a bit of oomph. I, I know, you know, they're not going to get promotion, they're not, gonna, but there's still a possibility of catching Aberayron, you know. So it's a, it's a shame that they're not fulfilling that fixture. Um, uh, for for this evening, but 28-12 win against St David's, you know. Tidy win there, tidy win. Uh, Leyland lost 13-36 at home to Cardigan. And I'll be honest, I don't, I didn't see that one coming. No. I know Nayland have stuttered a little bit. Um, it, in the table, Cardigan are now one place below them. But yeah, I, I had Nayland down as winning that comfy on that one. Um Quinns lost 33-5 at home to Aberayron, which I think we all saw coming. I think we all saw that. And then St. Clair's 88, Langham nil. I mean... You're oof. reading that the wrong way around, Beth. <laughs> yeah, I've got the 88 upside down. No, <laughs> I I mean, yeah. It's just a real sign of, of intent from St. Clair's to... You know, end of the season, they're not taking the foot off the gas. They're they're really going for it, and you know, eighty-eight is a 
it's hefty old school and and to keep langham on zero you know as well is a is an achievement at this time of the season normally you'll get to about 50 odd points and and some of the boys will go right okay um you know let's give some of the young uns a run out or whatever but they kept that going and it was yeah interesting shall we say <laughs> so oh, yeah. league table there and we've got St Clair's at the top uh it's still not confirmed that they going up because Lampard in second place have got a game in hand and they're only four points behind. So I think Sinclair's have been confirmed as promoted. No, they can't do it, can they? Because it's across A and B, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Well, this one's going down. It's ridiculously uh, how tight this league actually is. You know, it's... Mm. It is coming down to the last weeks, and it is going to be St. Clair's and Lampeter. It's, it's going to be one of them, if not both of them. And what we've got to really look forward to is the fact that they've got a home and away duel against each other over the next two weeks. Mm. Yeah, because when they were due to play each other, they had like cup competitions and this, that, and the other, didn't they? So, uh, so. Tomorrow night, then Wednesday night, St. Clair's are at home to Nayland. So I'd say that's a St. Clair's win quite comfortably. In all yeah, honesty, it's be, it? yeah. And then quite a few sides not playing on on Saturday, which I don't truly understand. Um, but actually, one of them would be no half West is tonight. So, uh, yeah. So Abbey run at home to Larn. Uh, it's, it's a hard one, but you know, I, I, I'm not saying that. No, it's Larn. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Larn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then Flannerbother against the Quins. Ooh, chance for a win, Bayer. Yeah, I think so. Particularly end of the season, you know. Um, yeah, I'm going to Quinn's win on that one. Quinn's win. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going with you on that one. Cool. And then Sinclair's the against Lampeter. The big one. It, it's the big one. Oh, who do you pick? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home advantage. It's got, and, you know, just the, the fact that they're unbeaten in the league and the way they've been playing, it's got to be Sinclair's. Mm. I think it's good that, you know, in this division, Division 2 and Division 1, all three divisions have got the top two sides playing each other at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? I know. Some lovely force tonight, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going with St. Clair's as well, just because, you know, coming off an 88-0 win is going to be quite hefty. It depends on the toll that the midweek game takes, in all honesty. But I think that they're strong enough to come through. I think they'll beat Lampard quite comfortably. Um, in the end and I think that'll kind of finish the season for Lampeter and everyone goes okay you know your place sort of thing so uh, yeah so I'm just looking down there's midweek games next week and then we've got the rerun of St. Clair's and Lampeter on the 13th so you know <laughs> what a way to finish the season it's uh, it it's lovely it's fantastic isn't it fantastic okay right so what i will say as well is um 
the Pembrokeshire Junior Finals Day was held at Crimmick on Sunday, and I've seen pretty much all of the results. I haven't collated them, and I haven't gone through, and I've gone, these won the cup, these boys won the plate, and all that kind of stuff. So I will go through at some point and work out who won what. But from what I've heard, um, uh, another fantastic day of rugby. Going up to Crimmick is just one of those things that you, you never know where to where your shades or, or, your, or your snow boots. It's it's the most bizarre place on the planet. But, um, yeah, it was a good game, well-hosted, and um, lots, of, lots of positive feedback from it, from lots of people. So that's coming next week. We'll do a review of the season next week, and we'll talk a load more about the community game next week. And we're also hoping to speak to um, some people involved in the women's game next week as well. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So it's all getting quite busy, Matt. It's all getting quite busy, mate. It is. You know, most of the professionals, uh, you know, they're having a bit of a break, but we're heating up. We're, we're just getting going, man. We're just getting into the run of things. So I know. Um, we've got a summer cap. <laughs> so, yeah, plenty to look forward to next week. Plenty of stuff still in the pot. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch up. We'll do it all again next week, mate. Brilliant stuff. Cool. And no disappointment of Scarlet's next week, so that's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we can skip all of that bit next week and go straight into the good bits. But I shall Happy catch you week. again next week, mate. All the best. And you, mate, Robert. All right, drama. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS. Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.